Welcome to the EDM Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview successful EDM producers from around the world, and we ask them how they make their music, what software they're using, what hardware in the studio. We get into their careers, try to pull some marketing advice out of them, and the whole idea is to help you guys out there become better producers, better marketers, and get your music out there and heard. I'm Steve Cherubino. I'm your host, and we always have an amazing producer on the show, and this show is no different. Dose is joining us, calling us from New Zealand, also known as Chris Truman. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Steve. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, not too much. It's like I said before, it's Sunday morning out here. So it's uh, yeah, nice sunny day. Just um, woke up all fresh. Didn't have a gig last night. So uh, yeah, it's good to have a weekend off and um, looking forward to a chat. In fact, I'm really happy. I think you're the, uh, the first drum and bass producer we have had on the show this oh, far. Cool. We've done 30 shows already. Yeah, I was just looking through your um, kind of previous list of um, casts there. I couldn't recognize any names drum and bass wise anyway. Right. Yeah, right. so cool. Good to be here first. Yeah, I'm glad you're on. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like some of your background, and tell us about the kind of music you're doing. Sure. So um, I am a drum and bass artist. Um, I've been writing drum and bass uh, and electronic for probably about 10 years now, releasing for about eight. Um, the first time I went to like a, a kind of rave or club gig was when I was about 15. I'm 31 now. Um, and kind of from that night onwards, it's just been, um, I kind of, I kind of got fanatical about it. Like it was just so interesting and, you know, built a whole circle of friends, um, kind of, uh, around the club nights and that kind of scene, uh, as people say. And um, that eventually turned into DJing and, you know, that kind of fueled my hunger and passion for it and that kind of eventually um, evolved to uh, wanting to produce. And, um, yeah, so I took that road and it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster. It's had its moments and ups and downs, but, um, yeah. And more recently I've just finished my uh, debut album, which came out on Clute's Commercial Suicide. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool to kind of reflect and look back on the times that have been and, what lies what lies ahead as well so um yeah pretty exciting times for me oh yeah congratulations on that album cheers man how many songs are on it uh so there's 12 there's 13 if you count the sampler so one of the sampler tracks were uh on the album as well so very well done oh yeah you just released it didn't you yeah like literally two weeks ago yeah very cool how's that been received um, really well. It was sitting um, at number one on the drum and bass releases for Beatport for a couple of weeks, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, about seven of the tracks were in the top 100, and I think five were in the top 50 for a couple of weeks as well for single releases um, on Beatport, just for drum and bass. Um, and yeah, generally the feedback's been pretty good. Um, I've always kind of held back on doing an album until I felt kind of confident and comfortable doing it. I didn't really want to kind of like push myself out of my comfort zone to do that even though i guess you know in some cases that might be a good thing to do i just really wanted to wait and so i've kind of um racked up about 60 releases before actually doing an album which is quite a lot and that's been a common question as to why i haven't done an album before now so but yeah the last couple of years like um i've just really kind of honed in my production and yeah gained a lot of confidence and just kind of um started i guess not not just believing in myself like I've always had that, but just really trusting my kind of instincts when it comes to writing music and just developed a good technique, I guess, not not focusing so much on what's being released and what's the latest and greatest, more just like kind of looking within and just just 
letting it kind of happen naturally and organically, I guess. And that's as a, as an artist, what I think artists should be doing. Oh yeah. I so, absolutely yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And so I've really kind of found, found a good kind of technique and good kind of wave, I guess. And, um, my product productivity at the moment is just, yeah, it's awesome. Even though I've had a couple of breaks since finishing the, a couple of months break since finishing the album. Um, I kind of took my first, uh, little go at starting a new tune last night and, it feels good, man. Like I'm looking forward to yeah the the next couple of years of uh, tunes and yeah what lies ahead. So, well, it looks like definitely looks like a promising future. Yeah, for sure, and not even just for drum and bass. Like, um, you know, it's it's all good doing that, but I guess at some point you got to kind of branch out a little bit and um, you know kind of try different things. So um, yeah, excited in that respect. All right. Well, what, what are you trying now? You got me curious. Um, recently I, uh, me and a friend actually, he's quite big into house. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of artists like Red Light and Roscoe and all those kind of, uh, guys actually one from New York is, um, well, I presume he's from New York, New York transit authority who I saw in London a couple of weeks back, uh, cool. that kind of house vibe. And yeah, so I've written one of those tunes, which Roscoe actually picked up and, um, under a, an alias called uh, Beer Fridge Project, which is just me and a friend. So, um, you know, that's pretty good for the first attempt at a tune. So quite keen to yeah, go more down that track and just see where it goes, really. Sure thing. That sounds like a ton of fun. It is, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. And the other thing is, is like, you know, years of writing one type of genre, I've got like a lot of project files there with good samples and, and, and vocal samples and everything that is completely reusable. So... Do you know what I mean? It's just like remix pack after remix pack where I can just go and, you know, do a different genre out of all of those tracks. So Oh, that's that is such like a good resource to dip into. Yeah. So I've got quite a lot of admin to do. I think that's the next kind of um thing I do before I really get stuck in is just kind of go back through everything, bounce out like all the key parts, label everything, organize it into folders. And all of that really ties into um you know, like a, a really fast kind of workflow. So you don't have to spend time, you know, looking for a hat or like those things that you constantly reuse. Um, so as they say, you know, work smarter, not harder. So yeah, yeah, that's like my motto. It really is. And yeah. the admin, you know, it has to be done. Sometimes you don't want to confront it, but two things happen when you do. Number one, you just feel like refreshed, blank slate. Like that's, it's not all cluttered in your mind. It's like organized now. And then number two, that just translates into like super fast productivity. Just needs yeah, to be done. Exactly, man. Steve, you're right. It's like cleaning your room. You know, you clean your room, everything's all organized, and then you yeah. can focus on your homework. So, <laughs> so it's the same like with music, exactly. Like have everything organized, everything labeled nicely and tidy and kind of is easily accessible when you want it. And, you know, even down to like naming conventions and things like that. So, um, yeah. Pretty keen to kind of do a wee wave on that front for a for a couple of weeks and then get it just super organized and I'm sure that's gonna increase like my output like a lot. Good man. Well good luck with the getting all that organization done. <laughs> I know when I was young my mom always had to come in and tell me to clean my room. So it's kind of went gone with me into the future where I I always have to be cleaning up my folders and my samples and I'm not the best at that, but all right, enough about me. Let's let's talk about your production. What kind of DAW do you use? So I use uh, Logic 9 and Logic X. Um, I recently upgraded to Logic X, but a lot of my projects are still in Logic 9, and I still find that just, um, you know, just for um, getting things done quicker, 
uh, that's my quick go-to. Logic X has got a lot of shortcuts that are different and just a lot of things that are in different places. And there's the odd plugin as well that I don't have, so I've got a bit of a behavior change to go through before I completely uh, migrate to Logic X. But uh, that's, that's more or less it, man, in terms of uh, door. I, I can use Cubase, and I'm actually looking at buying it as well, but I prefer Logic X for its environment for sure. Yeah, tell me about the switch from Logic 9 to X. Um, some plugins aren't, can't work on there? Is that what you're saying? Is it all 64-bit plugins now? Uh, I think so. I think there's like an external kind of, um, I don't know the name of it, but it, it kind of holds your 32-bit plugins so they can still work. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's it's more just like I've got, you know, I've got to go out there and like either buy or find um, the, the plugins that I was using. Um, and, you know, get the latest version of them and stuff. So it's more, ad, more admin, I guess. So. Right. And uh, what what else is different about Logic X that might disrupt your workflow, switching from 9 to X? Um, there's It's just kind of little nitty-gritty things, just like, you know, double-clicking on certain windows and things that you're used to doing really quick that you probably don't think about much that when you try to do it and you can't do it and then you have to kind of go looking to figure out how to do it. Do you know what I mean? And it absolutely menus in a different place and I'm sure they've gone through and it's a lot more kind of ergonomic and everything's a bit more intuitive now, but I'm still kind of in that old logic nine mentality. So right. you know, well, which one do you like better? Um, from what I've seen of logic X, the benefits outweigh for sure. Yeah. It's, it's got so many more advantages, like a constant autosave, and like you can do uh, like uh, instances of a project. So if I decided that I wanted to just try a different baseline or something, I could save my project as, as a different instance of the project rather than having to save as and call it B or something. You can kind of keep track of that from within your project. Um, you can save... Uh, I forget the word because I haven't looked at Logic X for a couple of months now, but um, you can save kind of like groups of tracks and channels and buses and stuff as like a like a package. Huh. So if I wanted to bring in, say, like my go-to base kit, I could import that um, all as one kind of thing. So as a folder, you know, so to have like my three base instruments that have all the same uh, routing, so like to the buses and then all the outputs and all of that would just – you know, rather than having to re-engineer all of that stuff every time, you basically just pull in your kind of template um, track groups, I guess that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, that sounds very cool. Yeah. So um, that are just a couple of things that I've uh, seen that I'm yeah really into. It looks a little bit different. It's a lot darker, like it's kind of black background and stuff now. Yeah, more contrasty, I guess. Yeah. 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 So. Have you ever tried Studio One? I've never heard of it, man. Is, oh, I've heard of it. Is, I think, yeah, there's one kind of quite prolific uh, drum-based producer, Audio, who uses it. But no, I, I've never tried it, no. I, I mean, if you if you think about going to Cubase, try going to Studio One instead and, tr- and messing around with it. That's what I use. The original creator of Cubase created this program. He had a big part of it. It's by Personas. And yep. uh, I love it, man. It's so fast. It's like the fastest all. It sounds so good. And... um Hey, use whatever works like for anybody out there listening. Use whatever works for you, but I'm kind of hooked on Studio One. So. Yeah, because what's the thing that um, I constantly moan about when it comes to Logic is the audio, like the capability to on the fly just manipulate audio. So if I chucked in, say, just like a long bass kind of noise, whatever, with a bit of mid-range in it, and if I wanted to just pitch it up or pitch it down just to hear what it sounds like, I can't do that easily in Logic. I have to oh. put it in a sampler. 
what oh. you know, it takes like 20 seconds to load and then you've got to kind of like assign your key range and then then it's in there as a sample you can't just like quickly reverse it or so or stretch it and things like that um you can do stretching with logic and it's flex but Cubase right. with Cubase you can just draw like a pitch curve or anything just on the fly and you can do it fast and that's where logic's kind of main downfall is I think because right. you know I remember years ago like um using uh what's it called acid and that program was pretty kind of um, primitive, but its audio kind of its ability to just yeah on the fly do all this audio stuff, which Cubase has hasn't been kind of adopted by Logic. And I just don't understand why they're not doing that. I know, yeah. I know. I, I I'm in a mystery with a lot of these dolls. Like why do why doesn't Studio One or why doesn't Logic implement like a grid like Ableton? Like why doesn't this doll do this? And and I know what you're saying about doing stuff on the fly. Studio One is so good at that because I've tried all the dolls and especially Sonar. There's things you can't do, like you try to do in Sonar, like just turn on like a low pass filter on the fly while it's recording and it makes this snap, like this click staticky sound. It's like the worst. Yeah. Um, but uh, Studio One is very smooth and you can do anything while things are playing and even recording. Oh, cool, man. Um, I'll have to check it out. So you said, yeah. was it Personas? Who? Personas makes it. Yeah. It's, a, it's only a couple years old of a doll. Oh, it's very young. Yeah, cool. Nice. And so its audio kind of capabilities would kind of match what I was talking about? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay, cool. Pretty sure. Nice, man. I'll take a look today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell us about your workflow. How do you write a song? Um, I don't – I mean, I don't really have like a kind of set and concrete method. I mean, it always kind of changes. Um, I mean, one example would be – I would have finished a track and then I'll kind of clean out that track um, once I'm finished it and make it a template. So the mix down's already kind of done. I can just kind of um, strip out what I don't want and kind of replace parts as I see fit. So I quite often do that because the engineering uh, side does, you know, take a lot of time. So I try to avoid that where possible. And saying that, you can't just, you know, um, add a new kind of, drum kit and expect it just to fit in perfectly you're always going to have to do engineering to a certain extent but um that's probably my most common and quickest way of working um but if you, you know the problem is with that i guess you quite often end up doing samey samey tracks like similar right kind of do you know what i mean so i guess i guess it's always going to be a lot better to start a complete clean slate and um just re-engineer it from scratch you might come up with something completely different but um that's probably my Go to when it comes to starting a new tune for sure. Start with start the template. With, yeah, start with the template, and then a lot of the engineering and bussing and routing is already kind of done because um, right. that that is that is pretty tedious. You know, just loading your your auxiliary and bus kind of um, channel strips and all their effects and all the kind of low passes, high passes, filtering. Totally. So if you've got that all there, and if you've got like kind of preset. Uh, like sends, like reverb sends, and you know I could be better at this. I should probably add this to my admin list. Actually, just setting up, you know, like a, a set kind of bus for each specific thing. So like a reverb send, like you'll have a large reverb on one send, and then on the other bus or send, you'll have like a, a tight one. Right. You know, and that way, you know, you don't have to constantly just add like reverb to each individual individual channel. You can just kind of send it to whichever send. And as long as it's named right, it's going to make sense. And, you know, if it doesn't, because generally a lot of the time for just general reverb, it can be, you'd use quite a similar kind of type of reverb, you know, if you're just kind of right. wanting to add that presence to a sound. So that's that's my mentality around that anyway. Yeah. No, that's, it seems like I would save a ton of time doing that. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just doing the same, same stuff all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
Once yeah, again, rep- and repetitive actions. There's no faster way to suck the creativity out of somebody than forcing them to do repetitive actions. Exactly, because let's face it, you you want to write a tune. You don't really want to spend too much time on the nitty gritty. You just want to get in there and you know write the baseline and write the hook and all of that. And it'll be good if all the kind of yeah the the engineering side is kind of almost done. And this definitely helps. I think having all that yeah. stuff kind of set up first. Definitely. Yeah. Now, do you start off with drums or synth or bass, or is it different between every song? Um, it depends what your yeah, it depends what your inspirations are. I guess um, you know, quite often I'll, I'll feel like writing some kind of weird drum loop or something, so I'll start with that, and then I guess then evolve on to the bass or something. But it, it varies completely. Again, there's no real set way. It's just gotcha. Yeah, you know, and quite a lot of the time um, when you're trawling through samples as well, I'll. I'll copy. I use Audio Finder to uh, look through samples and also to organize as I look. So, um, you know, I've got all my main kind of sample folders. I mean, a lot of them are a mess. You know, you get sample packs and they're everywhere. But um, as I trawl through, if I find something that I really want to use, I, I pretty much move it into like one of my main folders. So I've got like a, you know, a character samples one, a vocals one, and all those kind of things, and then just like a general favorites one, which, you know, the sample might not fit under one of my categories, so I just kind of put it in a main pool to sort out later. Um, And then that way, because, you know, quite often you'll remember like a sample that you wanted to use that, um, you know, while you're writing a track and, you know, you think, oh, that sample, that would be perfect here. So, and it's good to just have it accessible. So, uh, And you use Audio Finder? That's a a Mac-only program, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think there's something similar for PC. Um, I'm not sure what it's called, but there's. I've diff- looked. I've looked for a few. I have not found anything that's really good. Yeah. Um, and what does it do? It's basically just like a finder that integrates easily into your DAW. Or? It doesn't. Uh, oh, it does integrate because you can spot like um, from and yeah from the finder spot straight to Logic, so it'll just drag and drop it into Logic for you. Um, but what you do, it's it's like an explorer, so it's got all your folder structure, and you can set up a whole lot of bookmarks. Um, so if I'm trawling through the folders and it's, yeah, if I click on an audio sample, it's got the wave, it's got like a key roll so I can hear it, um, you know, an octave up, octave down, you can pitch it up, pitch it down. You can do some pretty kind of basic editing within it. But, um, if you find something you like, you can basically, uh, copy it on one click or move it on one click to any of your bookmarks. So that's what I like about it. So it's like, uh. it's organizing as I go. So it's two birds with one stone if, yeah. Yeah, so you can like tag things basically. Yeah, yep. Or, or bookmark, whatever you want to call it. Mark, yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Can you tell us a few of your favorite production tips you like to do in Logic? Things that, I don't know, you think are very cool that might help producers out there that maybe they haven't thought of yet? Hmm. Um, probably, I mean, if I start at kind of the, yeah, probably like referencing. Um, there's a plugin I've recently discovered called Magic, a sample Magic or Magic AB. Okay. Uh, basically, what it is is because quite often to reference, I would like bounce out my track and then just compare it to other tracks. Like I've got a folder of, say, um, you know, tracks I know sound good and big in the club or whatever, and I would just kind of compare. So a lot of you know a lot of time is spent just bouncing clips out and then comparing and go, oh no, you know, but. This Magic AB uh, VST, um, basically you can load in like a palette of your reference tracks into it. You load it into your door on the master output and it will exclude any of your... Well, what it does is it lets you play any of those tracks within your um, door without 
uh, being influenced or affected by any of your plugins. So I can listen to the master out of my track play and then I can press like the AB button and it'll jump to any one of my reference tracks and just flick over. So I can go, oh, yep. So my track sounds like this and then I can go AB and then I can listen to that track and notice there's a complete difference in say the balance of like top end or bottom end or loudness or, and just constantly go back and forth. And then I'll mold my mix down around those tracks, do you know, by constantly ABing, and that's a big part of my kind of mix down process. Wow, that's so smart. And it's very cool that there's a plugin that does that. I had no clue. Yeah, it's really good. And because another thing I used to do is just drag audio tracks into my door and then right. and then kind of AB that way. But then the problem is, is that audio track will be routed through your master out. So you have to disable any of your master plugins, which kind of takes you back a step because generally your master plugins kind of, you know, solidify and and uh, concrete everything a bit more. So. Right. Yeah, so definitely check that plugin out. It's um, yeah, central man. It's a it's a good find. That's perfect. Yeah. Any other production tips before we go on to the next section? Um, loads, man. Give me give me an area <laughs> <laughs> for production tips. Yeah, just like any specific area. I mean, I mean, like I guess my palette of thought is drum and bass mostly. So, um, you know, there's there's loads of things kind of running around my mind there. Uh, some mixing tips. Any tips on mixing? Yeah, uh, yes. So I'd say that sample AB plugin. The other thing I use a lot is a spectrum analyzer. Um, I use the Waves one, which is pretty old now, but um, it's tried and tested. And um, I I know how a track should look on the kind of spectrum analyzer um, to match my mix against it. Do you know what I mean? So I can look at my track while it's playing with that on and see straight away if it's too toppy or if the bass isn't loud enough or the whole track isn't loud enough. So I think one of those is essential. And it's in a, in a perfect world, what I'd have, and I'd probably get this set up soon, is another monitor with a spectrum analyzer running the whole time. Oh, that's such a cool idea. Yeah, and I've seen a few guys do that. And um, that's that's kind of key because um, when you're you know just working with any sound straight away, you see, like say if it's a, a sound like a hat or something and it's got a whole lot of like bottom end on it, well, straight away you know you need to get rid of that because it's just going to take up your headroom at the end of the track. So um, a lot of the EQs, like Logic EQ, uh, Logic's EQ has a spectrum analyzer built in. And I know like the Fab Filter EQs and all of those ones, yeah, have the spectrum analyzer built in. But if you don't have that, then uh, a master kind of one would be key for sure and yeah there's tons out there in fact the the latest issue of computer music magazine their the whole topic of like the main thing they focus on in there is the spectrum analyzers and they have a ton of free ones in there and a ton of suggestions so Boom, for, yeah for spectrum analyzers check out computer Mag- music magazine latest issue okay now i've got some research to do today nice. <laughs> tell us about uh what what's your favorite soft synth um soft synth <laughs> To be honest, like the first few years of my production, I went really, I went in on synthesizers and, you know, learn oscillators and modulators and all the routing and all of that and figured it out. But the last like three years, I've just gone pretty much like almost completely back to sample based writing and samplers. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I like all the native instruments since, and, you know, there's a few other ones like. Well, massive is native instruments. Yeah, it's native instruments. But um, those ones. But yeah, I I don't know. I just generally find I have a better time with samples and get better results. I don't know what it is, but yeah. So I I don't really have like a favorite right now. But okay, well that makes sense. I mean, 
it's, you know, whatever works for you. And it sounds like from listening to your tracks, it, that's definitely working for you. <laughs> what, where do you get your samples? Like, is there any particular packs or do you have people making them custom for you or what? Um, oh, that'd be awesome if I had like a, <laughs> a custom sound designer. Yeah, that would be epic. No, I mean, I just troll the internet or I just um, record TV shows. I don't really do that so much, but I mean, you know, if I hear something while I'm watching a movie, I, you know, and I want to record it, I'll, I'll track it down and record it. But really, I, I do. I've done a, a couple of like vocal things before where I've just said things into like the recorder um, and kind of pitched it down or pitched it up and made like loops out of it. Um, what else? Acapellas, like just a lot of spoken audio, like a lot I of. See. You know, say like a, a um, I don't know, a documentary or something like that. I'll just listen through and, you know, you'll be surprised what you can get out of just a couple of words, you know what I mean? And just make a, a cool kind of catchy loop um, with it. So I, I use a lot of vocals in that Interesting. way. Interesting. No, I love that. I I, know, I didn't expect that as the answer. I thought you were going to be say like, oh, vengeance makes good stuff. But no, you're all over like watching movies, pulling audio from here, pulling audio from there. I think that's really cool. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I don't designate time to watch a movie for sample hunting. Like, <laughs> right. In the back of my mind, like the, you know, there's going to be some samples in here. Just keep an ear out, and if you hear anything, but yeah, your ear is always open for it. For sure. Other than that, I mean, I've got a ton of samples. Like, I'm probably due to um, buy a whole lot more sample packs um, and do some sample hunting. And there's a lot of free sample packs out there as well. I'll tell you one thing that I started liking on Facebook. There's a, uh, I forget the name of the group, and you'll probably find it, but there's a remix, a remix, uh, like a track remix group um, or remix pack page. And they basically post uh, remix competitions every day. And so that free sample packs to download and you know there's countless ones every day so it's like i should really get an admin on to just download those links every day because just day after day you're getting you know complete like wide range of different genres posting up like uh you know ready-made kind of kits from tracks so you know and i know you're recycling stuff but the thing is with um using audio that's already been used is like you use it in a completely different way you pitch a sound up or down and it's almost unrecognizable so exactly yeah. Uh, That's the thing about audio. You can just mangle it. For sure. And I, I reuse a lot of my own samples as well. Like I've got enough tracks to kind of dig back a few years and go, wow, you know. I do. And the other thing is with that as well is like you go through your old sample tracks or folders and there will be samples, like good samples that you put in there that didn't end up using. So, you know, when you drag and drop something into your project and it goes into the kind of folder in the background and then on your project you only see what you're actually using. Um, right on the environment screen. So a lot of the time I'll just dig through old folders and find kind of hidden gems that were never actually used. Yeah. That's very efficient using your own projects as resources. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one for sure. Yeah. That's really cool. How about effects? What, what type of effects do you really like? Do you have any special like VSTs that you use in particular? Uh, isotope like trash and ozone. I think ozone's really good for mastering. I've been mm-hmm. using um, the Fab plugins. I think they're called or Fab filter. Yeah. Or Fab filter is one of them. I don't know what the the other ones are, but the limiters and all those ones are pretty cool. I use a lot of the Logic plugins as well. Logic's got a really good range of uh, in-house plugins. Um, other than that, Native Instruments. Um, I bought the Core pack probably about five years ago now, which I still use. Um, and then Synopsis. Um, but I've probably got too many installed. And then 
few bits and pieces, you know, a few just kind of one-off ones. Um, Cosmos, I, I forget who makes it, but if you Google that one, um, I think it's free. That's a really good one I've started using on my uh, base bus every time because... What does it do? It's, it really, it's a really powerful kind of sub-enhancing tool. Like it just, it's got a few different knobs for different parts like drive, exciter, and just general kind of limiting or compression on your sub. And then you've also got like a um, frequency boost kind of uh, knob as well, which you can assign the frequency and the kind of like the, I guess, the gain on that. So it's just a kind of one-stop shot for your bass. And, um, you know, generally uh, in the past, I would have used like an EQ and then like a limiter separately, but this thing kind of does it all in one. So that's pretty cool. It's called Cosmos? Yeah, Cosmos. Wow. Got to check that one out. Yep. I can uh, tell you who made that in a second. Yeah, take your time. Cool. I'll ask you this in the meantime. What what about hardware? Do you use any special hardware in the studio? I don't. Uh, I'm strictly software now. I, in the past, have had like a Mackie mixing desk, which I used to kind of bounce stuff through and run it through for that whole analog effect. And, you know, I used to do a bit of comparison. I really wanted, because, you know, everyone always says that that's the, the way to go is bouncing things out. And, you know, this is a relatively kind of middle-of-the-range desk, so I don't know if the really expensive ones are better at doing that. But I compared, like, the waves, um, you know, like looking at them audio and the loudness, and you definitely get, like, a natural kind of compression. But I think you can you can pretty much get like software now that's going to replicate a lot of what of those uh, those that hardware would do anyway. But right. I, at the moment, I don't have any hardware. Um, the other thing I used to have was a virus uh, rack mount virus C, I think it was. Um, and I basically just bounced everything out of it that I wanted to use um, or I thought there would be use in. And um, so I yeah, I don't need it anymore. Um, aside from that, I had a couple of Joe Meek compressors. Uh, these are like these small green kind of compressors that were, pretty, yeah. and they were really cool. I pr- I, I wish I kept those. Um, but yeah, I've moved around a lot in the last few years. I lived in the UK for a little bit and moved around New Zealand, so I kind of offloaded a lot of that stuff because it just wasn't getting the use. The problem is with using that external stuff is you basically had to kind of like bounce it out, and there's just a little bit of admin to use it, and then kind of you know balancing up uh, or comparing the the kind of benefit of using it and the sound difference versus like just using a software, you know, like the time it took to use it and the result I get versus say just using a software a piece of like a plugin for the same thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, it's a tough one because it takes a lot more time to use that gear. So yeah, it's a shame, but you're right. I, I can imagine the benefit of like the time taken to do that and bounce out and adjust it. And it's just not worth it with the software that we have these days. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's a shame because that gear is so much fun and it's, it does give a better sound sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, that Cosmos plugin is by Nomad Factory. Oh, okay. So definitely check that out. Um, Sweet. Synopsis. Yeah, Sample Magic AB is the referencing one. Um, oh, Rob Papen. Um, there's like a Rob Papen delay, distort, reverb, and predator effects. Rob Papen also designed uh, Albino. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, just there's a whole bunch of native native instruments plugins as well. Like aside from their kind of main effects ones, like guitar rig and absinthe and all that, they've got a whole lot of compressors and reverb plugins, transient masters, and spectrum analyzers that I use. They're really good. Yeah, highly. Yeah. Sounds like you have a nice little stock there of plugins. Yeah, and then Waves. I've got like the whole Waves bundle, and that's just endless. There's just hundreds of plugins in there. I don't even know what. 
Awesome. <laughs> it's one thing I haven't messed with is Waves plugins yet. Yeah, okay, man. Yeah. Yeah, I hear, hear they're pretty good. Now, uh, who were your influences? Who got you into this type of music? Um, as in, like, initial, uh, well, my brother dragged me to my first drum and bass gig, if that's what you mean. Um, <laughs> it kind of took off on its own. But in terms of, like, writing, you mean, like, artists? Yes. Man, there's just so many. Like, I mean, the main ones for drum and bass, um, probably like Bad Company. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, like Caliber, Clute, Shed Russian Optical. Um, they're probably the main ones that come to mind. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, uh, all the Ram artists, which is one of the big labels. I think, you know, there's just so much good music out there. It's, it's hard True. to, you know, there's one or two guys who just, but I'd say, if I had to just straight off the back for pick one, it would probably be Bad Company wrote so many or like a few albums that were just like every track is just so damn good. And hmm. you just constant, I just constantly listened to that kind of stuff for years. They were really the, the, the group, I guess, who kind of made my ears prick up and kind of um, reinforced that kind of hunger and passion for the music. I see. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I got to listen to some of that stuff. Yeah, you should. Uh, Bad Company, Inside the Machine, um, probably early 2000s. Some really groundbreaking drum and bass, man. Like, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Check it out. I, sure. I haven't listened to drum and bass in a little while, so uh, it'd be nice to be refreshing to hear it. Yeah, it is. And it's not all kind of dance floor. It's like, you know, just play the album from start to finish while you're doing your house chores or something, man. And right, right. Do a good job. Yeah. I guess that would mean I have to do house chores. Damn. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is the highlight of your music career thus far? Um, probably oh, the album definitely takes one of the top steps. Um, I'm pretty happy about achieving that. I definitely have my doubts of, um, actually finishing it, but what else? I guess playing at fabric in London, that was a big highlight. Um, so I got to play at one of the Ram records nights there. Um, Sweet. Signing to Ram Records as well is pretty much like the top drum and bass label. Um, I never thought that would happen. So the day that I got the email asking if a tune was available was, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Took a screenshot. Oh, tell us about that. How did that go down? Oh, it's unreal, man. I was in disbelief. I had to. I was at work that day and had to, yeah, just go out and go have a beer with a workmate. I was like, holy shit, man! I've got to celebrate. This is actually amazing, you know. Did you just, uh, so you, did you even submit it to them or they found you or how did that all get started? Uh, no, I submitted it to them for sure. So, um, in the last kind of two years, I started sending out album demos to, um, about five labels, like the top okay. five in my um, eyes. And one of those tracks, uh, in that bunch of tracks was the one that they came back on. Uh, they weren't interested in the album. They were like into my sound and stuff, but they said, there's not really for us. Um, and while we're putting out an album there, but keep the tracks coming. And then a couple of days later, they came back and said, Andy C had been playing this track. Was it available? He's really interested in signing it. And that was for his nightlife compilation. So, um, yeah, that was surreal, man. It's crazy. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. So, and you submitted a whole album to them basically. Um, like, a, I'd say about 15 tunes. There wasn't wow. you know, like a set album. It was more like, look, here's a pile of stuff that I think I could probably do an album out of. Like, what do you guys think? <laughs> and That's I awesome. Send that to kind of, yeah, five, five labels. Um, yeah. And eventually, um, like 
a couple came back offering kind of you know suggestions on particular tunes and i'm quite stubborn um and i've <laughs> a couple of times i'm quite stubborn and when i've finished a tune i like to just kind of leave it as it is because that was the vibe at the time and i was you know i don't like to kind of second guess my decisions like if i make a decision well there's a saying it's uh you're today you're living yesterday's decisions so i don't like to you know, because at, at one point in time, you made the decision that that was okay and you were in the moment at that time. So when you're in a new circumstance, you know, if I look back and said, oh, I shouldn't have made that decision yesterday, but yesterday that was with my train of thought, the best decision I could have made based on what I knew. So uh, yeah, it's almost like yeah. regret, not don't give regret too much attention. Yeah. I guess that's more of a life kind of decision thing, but then it's, if you look at it on a track level, I quite like that analogy because it's like, well, you know, even if I finish a track and then, you know, a week later I don't like it, it's kind of like, well, at the time I, I really did like it. Like, sure, there's room for improvement, but then it is what it is and I'll take that, um, you know, as a grain of a grain of uh, sand or whatever and, you know, you keep that thought in my head for the next track that I write that. Right, right. Yeah. So what you're saying is if, if you send out tracks to a label and they come back with some criticism and say, we'd like this changed – you're kind of hesitant to do it. Really hesitant to do it, man. I don't. I don't. I don't really kind of like being told or asked to try write a particular style because it doesn't work like that for me. It's just kind of like you just do what feels good, do what happens, um, kind of naturally. Don't try write any kind of within reason any particular style um, and just let it happen. And yeah, so I had a little bit of kind of that kind of going on, and I didn't really, you know, it's not that I responded negatively to it or anything like that. It's just right, right really i don't know if this is the right place for me then because i just kind of like doing what i do so if, if, if that's not working for you then it's probably not going to work so um yeah so and then eventually um clute with commercial suicide um came back to me and was like dude like you've got a really distinctive sound sound i love it you know like i can hear your tracks a mile away i don't know what it is but um and he's like yeah you, you pretty much got an album there he said i could you know suggest a couple of um, you know, tracks to try or things you could do to make it a bit more rounded, but um, not changing tracks, just like as a new material for it. And yeah, I was stoked for that. And that was kind of everything I wanted, just like someone to kind of back me up and say, look, do what you do. Love it. Sounds cool. And um, yeah, and I'll put it out as an LP. So, oh, that's cool that you get that, you know, that it kind of stuck to your guns and you got what you wanted. Yeah, for sure. And with his label, he's he's been like that with the other artists as well. And all of the artists that have released albums on that label, I think there's like four now or five. Um, they're all really distinctive artists, you know, quite stand out, like in their own respect, like their sound, you could pretty much pick like their, their style. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. I think I'm like you very much in that respect. I, if I got criticism like that, I would really not want to go back and change my song. And yeah. it's, it's, some people are like that. Yeah, exactly, man. And if you think about it, say, you know, this is an art form, really. So if, if I was a painter, and I took my painting to like a publisher or whatever happens there. And they came back and said, uh, you know, oh, do you mind like coloring that in a little bit more? And it's it just I don't think it works like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you almost <laughs> would have like and, you know, they're trying to be constructive and all that. But it's I think an artist should really just kind of do their thing. And yeah, I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. So what's the best piece of advice you can give an aspiring producer right now? 
I reckon the best piece of advice taken from my own learnings um, would be to trust your instincts and really kind of believe in yourself. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't kind of compare to the latest and greatest out there and try and do that and try write tracks that you're not just because they're kind of the trending whatever at the moment. It's more like just when you're writing a track, if you feel like writing a particular way, do that. And that that is the best way to do it, I think, because you're not trying to be something you're not. And when you do that, it's just kind of um, almost set up to fail. You know, because sure. can you sustain that? So just kind of look within, trust your gut. There's a saying, uh, what is it? Uh, follow your gut, but use your head or something like that. Yeah. That works. Yeah. You know, kind of, I- yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. I can imagine it would be such a grind if you didn't follow that advice. You wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, exactly, man. So that's, that's for me, like uh, I had kind of like a revelation at one point where I started doing that and just, you know what, like I'm just going to trust myself. I'm sick of thinking about what people think about my tunes because that's, it's kind of not the point, right? It's, the point is expressing yourself, being creative and kind of just, yeah, both of those and just, you know, doing all the above and, um, yeah, believing in yourself and trusting yourself and just coming out with something unique. So do that. Look at, look within really and trust it and go with the flow. Don't take it so seriously. It's just, it's just writing music, man. And it's meant to be fun. So sure. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Which one of your songs are you most proud of? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, hmm. Well, off the album or kind of the whole everything ever? Everything. And that's a, I'd have to kind of think about that one for a little bit. I'm um, just looking. I don't know. Is there one track in particular that I like, kind of have a soft spot in your heart for? And you said, man, I really nailed it on this one. This was very good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> probably in the last couple of years would be there's one called What Lies Within. Okay. Um, it's quite like a kind of it's a rowdier one like it's a bit more kind of 5 a.m dance floor kind of twisted thing but um it's just a it's a real good dj tool like it's got a it's got kind of like a 4-4 um kind of creative intro that you can use as like a good kind of switch and then it's got like a cool vocal hook and then it's it's a really driving kind of it's got a great kit and the mix down was really good so overall i'm really proud of that tune yeah what lies very cool Awesome. I'll definitely check that one out. And where can people find that song, the rest of your music and learn more about you? Uh, yeah, probably the best place to keep up to date and with all the links and latest tracks, gigs, et cetera, is my Facebook page, um, which is just forward slash dose music NZ. So D O S E music NZ, no spaces. Um, from there I've got links to everything else, like, oh, like my Beatport track list and iTunes and all of that and discography. Um, and yeah, just all gigs, updates and the old free giveaway as well. So, um, yeah, that's probably Sweet. The, Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks very much for doing this interview. Do you, do you have any final messages you would like to say to the, uh, audience here before we end off? Uh, no, thanks to you, Steve. Um, yeah, fun interview. Always good to have a chat about music. And, um, yeah, I think just that kind of advice that I gave, I'd, you know, like to reinforce that, that, that for me was kind of like a game changer when it came to writing music. It it, it changed from being quite like frustrating when you're trying to kind of compete and kind of, you know, actually, I guess like, um, make a bit of a living out of it and stuff to, um, going back to kind of the initial, 
um, intent when you first start writing of, you know, a, a love for the music and passion and just a release. And yeah, so forget about what's going on in the world more just kind of, you know, look within, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when you talk about that, the thing that keeps sticking in my mind is when Skrillex wrote Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, I'm sure I, I, I can't imagine him thinking like what people would think about this. I, I, I picture him just going, this sounds awesome. I just, I'm having so much fun making this. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So. I don't know, but I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, dude, it's been a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for this great information. I'm sure people are going to love it and get a lot out of it. And I really appreciate you giving us the time for this interview. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, Steve. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep in touch with your website and um, stay tuned for all your, your interviews here. And um, yeah, thanks again. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. That's going to be it for the EDM Producer Podcast for today. Check us out on SoundCloud. We have all the shows posted there under soundcloud.com slash EDM Producer Podcast. Thanks again. Have a great one. <laughs>